Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. You don't have to raise your hand or anything, but how many of you, um, how many of you feel busy? Yeah, uh, maybe, how many feel overwhelmingly busy? Uh, just think about it for a second. How many of you feel so busy that feels hopeless to you? I can remember when Jenna and I had little ones and we used to laugh and say, will there ever be a time when we're not tired? That's kind of the question we'd ask. Um, but maybe this morning you're here and you feel overwhelmed, uh, like giving up, that your life's gotten so busy, it's gotten so out of control uh, that you just don't know what to do. We've been in this series, and this is called the, the Cure for the Common Life. And in this series, we've been talking about, you know, how often we simply settle. We settle for the common life. We settle for, you know, let's get by. Let's just make it work. Let's just survive this. Let's wait for retirement or wait till the kids are grown or wait for something. And, and so we kind of settle in and we decide, you know what, I'm just going to press through. And when the kids are out of the house, then we can really start living. Or when the kids get in school, then finally we'll start living. Or when, you know, and we kind of have these markers out there and it feels like we hit them and we just find more stuff to fill the space and we get so busy and we get so overwhelmed that we, we don't know what to do. And so either we just check out uh, or, or we, we kind of live with that frustration and despair of, of when is this going to stop? And so uh, I want to talk about that this morning as we sort of finish this series, The Cure for the Common Life, and talk about what it means to live an uncommon life, what it means to live an extraordinary life. Uh, one of the pieces of that that's the most important for us is, is how to live an unhurried life. Does that sound possible to you? Does that sound like an oxymoron? To live an unhurried life. You see, Jesus was really busy. I don't know. Read the Gospels. Jesus was really busy. He was constantly with people. He was constantly giving himself away, but there was something about Jesus that was unhurried, that in the midst of busyness, in the midst of activity, in the midst of serving and of giving himself away, Jesus had this ability to be unhurried. We wanna talk about that this morning, and I have a couple of examples. The, the, the first one we finished last Sunday, actually, in John 11 verses, uh, like first three verses, and I want to uh, continue that story for a couple of minutes this morning. Let, let's remind ourselves the, uh, the story. It's about Lazarus, and it says, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who had anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Now, if you remember, we talked about it last week. It said, so the sisters sent to him, they sent Jesus a message saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So where we left the story off last week is that the sisters were saying, Lord, this is how you know Lazarus. He's the one you love. That that was one of the things that marked Jesus. That it, they didn't say, you remember Jesus, he's the one that loves you more than anybody else. He's the one that's invited you into his home. He's the one that's done all of these things for you. But how they uh, talked to Jesus, how they communicated Jesus was, he's the one you love. 
that it always starts with Christ. It always starts with his love for us and our response uh, to him. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about how much he loves us. It's about what he's given and done for us. And, and so the story continues that, that they send this message, the one you love. I mean, how can you turn that down, right? I mean, you, you know, you're going you're gonna to drop everything and sprint because one of the people that you really love, that, that you've stayed in his home, that you know his family really well, um, that you really love, is ill. But it says, when Jesus heard it, he said, uh, this illness does not lead to death, but it's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So I love this. So when he heard uh, that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place he was. Okay, go figure, right? So if you really love somebody, don't you sprint to them? Don't you go as fast as you can to fix whatever's going on? If if you're the Messiah, for goodness sakes, uh, that's what you do, right? You heal people, you fix problems, you save people, you do all of those things. And and yet we have this story is that when Jesus f- heard that Lazarus was ill, it says he stayed two more days before heading to Bethany. Bethany, by the way, is on the way to Jerusalem for Jesus and it's, it's where he's going to be crucified. He is on that final leg of his journey and he waits two days longer, and then he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Let's go back. We're heading toward Jerusalem. Let's go to Bethany and see what's happening. Now, you can, you can read the rest of the story. It's a wonderful story how Jesus calls Lazarus from the tomb, that Lazarus died before Jesus got there. By the time Jesus got there, he had been in a tomb for a few days, and, and all that goes on with that. But Jesus it wasn't bound by Mary and Martha's schedule. He wasn't bound by Lazarus' illness. That Jesus knew something else. He knew who he was. He knew he was the Christ. He knew he was the Messiah. He knew that that no matter what happened, it wasn't the end of the story when he was there. That that he had the power to, to raise Lazarus up. He had the power to call Lazarus from the tomb. That the story is never over when Jesus is there. And so often we feel like he wasn't fast enough. We feel like things aren't hurry enough. We've got to come to the rescue. We've got to do something. And Jesus says, no, there's no hurry because it's about me. It's not about Lazarus' illness. It's not about how Mary and Martha feel. But this is a story about me. This is a story about my power, and if somehow we can tap into the story of our lives, somehow we can remind ourselves that it's not about us, but it's about Jesus. It's about his timing. It's about his power. It's about his love for us, uh, that, that maybe we can take a deep breath. May, maybe we can get a different perspective and say it's not ever over because Jesus is present, because of who Christ is. He's never in a hurry. We have another scene with Mary and Martha. You probably remember this maybe from Luke, the the 10th chapter. It starts around verse 38 where uh, Jesus is actually in their home. And uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. and, And it says that he's with the people there and he's teaching. And Martha is just wrecking herself being the consummate hostess. You know, making sure that everything's perfect, making sure that the, the snacks are there, that there's a meal there, that, that the drinks, whatever they need, are there, and she's taking care of all the guests, and she's trying to meet the needs of Jesus, and Mary is simply sitting at the feet of Jesus, and one would assume doing nothing, right? And finally, Martha gets so frustrated with Jesus 
or gets so frustrated with Mary, I'm sorry, that she comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, do something. Look at how much work I'm doing. Look at all that I'm sacrificing. Look at how I'm taking care of everybody. And Mary is just sitting there doing nothing is the assumption. But we know, what was Mary doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to him. She was soaking in everything that he had to say. She was soaking in the very presence of of Christ in her home. She was taking all of that in. And Jesus looked at Martha and he said, Martha, Martha, Mary's doing the most important thing. She's doing what really matters right now. She isn't wasting her time. She isn't doing nothing, but she's with me. She's listening to the God of the universe. She's sitting at the feet of the Messiah. She's doing that thing that is most important. And you know, sometimes when we look the least busy, and looking busy is probably as important to us generally as actually being busy, somehow we think that you get a merit badge or something for how busy you look and how busy people think you are, and, and we've kind of created this culture, particularly in, in America, that, that, that somehow um, we, we lift up busyness, and here's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening, taking in everything, and what does Jesus say? She's doing the most important thing. She wasn't in a hurry, she wasn't overwhelmed. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking up, because the time was gonna come when Jesus wasn't gonna be there. And who was going to have the memory of listening to his words? Who was going to have the realization that she sat at his feet and soaked it all in? But it was Mary, not Martha. So we have this picture of Jesus who was busy but wasn't in a hurry. And we want to look at our own lives because we live in, in this state of, I don't know, we live in this state of busyness and and we really do some kind of get to a point where we feel like we're all supposed to look busy. And if anybody asks you, how you doing? We want to be able to say, Phew, so busy. Because somehow that makes us more important, right? The busier we are, the, more, the, world, can't, the world can't survive without us. We have to stay busy. The world's gonna stop its rotation if we're not busy. Somehow we've cultivated this idea uh, of, of being in a hurry, of being busy, and Jesus comes and says, wait, you might be missing the most important thing. You might be missing me in the process. So Jesus teaches us about this in Matthew. And one of my favorite passages, if you've come here long, you know I have several. But Matthew 11, let me just read verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're just gonna take a few minutes and kind of unpack these verses a a little bit. So the very first thing that Jesus does in this passage is he gives us two invitations. There are two invitations here. And the first invitation that Jesus gives us is, he says, come to me. The very first thing, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. That's a really great Bible word for just you're overwhelmed you're busy, you're carrying burdens, that you're so burdened, you're so overwhelmed that it's just weighing you down. 
all that you have to do, all the busyness. It's like a weight that's on your shoulders and it's weighing you down and you're struggling just to get by uh, and it feels like it just might crush you. You just wanna, you wanna sit down, you wanna lay down. You wanna relax a little bit. And so Jesus says that, you know, here's the solution to that. You don't give up, you don't just settle, you come to Jesus. He says, come to me. It's one of the most gentle and loving passages in all of the scripture. Jesus doesn't chastise us. He doesn't say, come on, you guys, what is the deal? Figure this out. He doesn't, he doesn't get angry with us. He is so loving and gentle. He said, here, I want to give you the remedy to this hurriedness. I want to give you the remedy to this stress that you're living under. And it begins with this, come to me. I'm inviting you to come to me. All you who labor, all you who are burdened and overwhelmed, it starts with coming to Jesus. It starts to say, Lord, I, I'm gonna, I gotta surrender this to you. I need to give this to you. I'm coming to you, Lord, because you're the only real solution to the heaviness, to the labor, to the burdens that I carry, and I need your rest. That's one of the things that we want to talk about is what does, it means to enter, to, what does it mean to enter into the rest of Jesus? Because, you know, our idea of rest might be sleeping, might be vacation, although we've often laughed, you know, especially when you're raising kids, that you always need, you feel like you need a few days off after your vacation to really get rested up. Uh, vacations aren't always that restful. But how do we find rest in our lives? And Jesus says it's this. It, 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 we, we, we begin to get rest when we come to him, that we find our rest in Jesus. And he's gonna explain to us how that happens uh, in, in this passage because he says that I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So if you were living in the first century and, and you were a Jew and you, you heard Jesus say these words, one of the things that you would know immediately is that part of the burden that you carried, part of the yoke uh, that you wore around your neck that you felt like sometimes was gonna strangle you, it was cutting the air off, it was so heavy and restrictive that you didn't know what to do, part of that was by the time of Jesus' uh, life, the, the, the Hebrew law had 613 different laws. 613 different laws that you were required to keep. That, that for goodness sakes, how do you even know 613? I'm not sure I could think of 613 about things, about anything, right? And, and, and there were 613 laws that you were required to obey, and it became an oppression. It, it became such a burden because it was impossible to do. Just learning them was overwhelming. Keeping them was impossible. One of the things that we know is that that, that that's points us to the fact that, yes, it's impossible. That's only through Christ that we can get, uh, that we can obey. It's only through Christ that all of those things can come together. Together because Jesus said that if you really want to fulfill the law, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. If you do those things, you're just you're covering the whole law right there. But at that point, there were 613 things that they were trying to keep up with, and it was overwhelming. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it, but let's just take all of that stuff and take a deep breath. And let's come to me. But he doesn't say this. He doesn't say, okay, we're gonna take that yoke and that burden and we're gonna discard it and, and we're gonna get rid of it and you're just gonna be free. But he says, I don't know, here's what you do. You take my yoke and you learn from me. Take my yoke and learn from me. 
So what do we learn from Jesus? It's pretty powerful. Do you want to know what it is, means to take his yoke? Do you want to know what it means to begin uh, to, to, to rest in him, uh, to learn from him? What do we know uh, about Jesus? We know that Jesus came with a mission. We know that Jesus came with a purpose. He gives us part of that purpose in John, the 17th chapter, where he says, Father, I have glorified you, that I came, my goal was to bring you glory, was that you would be lifted up, that you would be honored in the world, and I have done that and I've glorified you, and so if you want to take a little quiz, you can say, what does it mean to learn from Jesus? It means that our first priority is how do we live a life that glorifies him? How do we live a life that honors Jesus? And, and here's what we know about him. He said, love one another as I've loved you. Lord, I want to learn from you, so I'm going to look at how you have loved me, and I want to love other people that way. I want to enter into your rest. It's about you. It's not about me. And so he gives us that. So read the Gospels, learn about Jesus, study Jesus, figure out what it is that Jesus teaches us. There's another place in, in, in the Gospel of Luke 19 where G Jesus says that I came to seek and to save the lost. What do we learn from Jesus? That we want to live such a life that we are a light for other people to see, that people are drawn to Jesus by how we live our lives. It's not about all the things that we do or how much we know but is our life a reflection of Jesus? Does our life look like Jesus? He says, learn from me, take my yoke. So this is really important because Bob Dylan sang this song years ago, uh, you're gonna serve somebody. Maybe the devil, maybe the Lord, but you're gonna serve somebody. And Jesus, Jesus thought of that first, Bob didn't, sorry Bob. With all due respect, Jesus said, get that old yoke that's crushing you off you Give that to me and take my yoke, which is a yoke of love. It's that gentleness. It's caring. It's giving yourself away. It's living a life to glorify. But he says, but we're still yoked. We, still, we have just said, now I've committed myself to serving Jesus. I've committed myself to following him, that that's what my life is going to be about. So he says, take my yoke and learn from me. And then Jesus does something that's really spectacular. It's the one place in all the Gospels where he describes himself. Now, there are places in the Gospel where he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, I and the Father are one. There are things like that where he pronounces his lordship. But in this particular place, he gives us two, two descriptions of himself. He says, I am gentle and I'm lowly of heart. <laughs> the, the God of the universe, the Christ, the one who came to take away the sins of the world. Somebody said, give us two words that would explain who you are, that would tell us who you are. And he picks these, that I'm gentle and I'm lowly of heart. Now here's this idea of gentleness, and we get it, we get it messed up a lot, you know, because I, I can remember growing up as a kid in the church, and, and if you walked into the, we, they called it a vestibule in the old church, you know, and it's this little entryway that you would walk into, and, and there's always a portrait of Jesus on the wall, right? And it's got the halo, and he's just this gentle, sweet, you know, person that you kind of, I don't know, is that really Jesus? He doesn't look Jewish, but we have this picture of him, and I think we get this distorted idea of who Jesus is. And we tend to think of this idea of gentleness as being weak and mild-mannered, you know, and all of that kind of thing. But here's, here's what really, here's, here's what gentleness means to me. It's strength under control. 
that Jesus who rose from the grave, Jesus who called Lazarus from the tomb, Jesus who touched the blind and healed him, Jesus who did all of those things, had all of this power, would come and humble himself and be gentle among us and call us to himself and love us in a way that we've never experienced love. That's what gentleness looks like. It's a kindness that we don't deserve. It's not a weakness, but it's a strength that's under control. It's a strength that love overcomes and makes work in our lives. That's what his gentleness looks like. And then he says, I'm lowly of heart. You know, my favorite passage when it comes to that is, is in Philippians 2, where it says that, that Christ, that even though he was the very form of God, did not consider uh, equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. So here we have Christ. We have Christ the King, the Messiah, who comes to earth, and he doesn't, he doesn't bring his godliness, he doesn't bring that glory with him, but he becomes a man, he walks among us, he lives among us, he, he goes through all of the things that these little kids are gonna go through that we've just dedicated this morning. He does that, he's lowly in heart, because that's the way to get to our hearts. That's the way, uh, to, uh, that allows us, that allows Jesus to be accessible to us. If Jesus always led with his greatness, if he always led with his power, if he always led with his majesty and his glory and all of those things, that he would be up here and we would be down here and we would never feel like there's a way that we can get to him. But Jesus came to us and he made himself lowly on our account so that Christ would be accessible to us, to regular people, to regular sinners. So he calls himself gentle and he calls himself lowly. And he says, that's, why, that's how you know that you can come to me. That's how you know that I'm accessible to you. Now, there's another picture that we have for this, and, and, and I have a picture, I have a couple pictures up here for you, um, I think. The first one, the great story, the great theological story, the tortoise and the hare. You guys remember that story, right? Tortoise and the hare, and, and of course, you all know how it goes, uh, right, that the tortoise and the hare are going to have a race, and the hare is really fast, and the tortoise is not, and yet at the end of the day, the tortoise wins. Now, the hare knows that he's faster. I've got a picture, another picture up here. So he's laughing and mocking. That's the starting line, and as the tortoise starts to go, uh, the hare's just mocking him and laughing at him, but here's what happens in the race, that the hare is so impressed with how fast he is that he forgets what the real goal is. He forgets his mission, that he's so impressed with himself, uh, and he's so uh, showing off so much to all the people that are around, all the people in the grandstands, how fast he is, that he forgets that the mission, the goal, was to get across the finish line first. And so he sprints ahead, and, and then he starts showing off, and he starts telling everybody how fast he is and how wonderful he is and all of those things. And the tortoise just keeps plodding along because he knows where the goal is. He knows what the mission is. The mission is to win the race, to get across the finish line. So he just stays after it while the hare is entertaining the crowd and, and, and talking about himself and, and impressing everybody with how fast he is and how fast he gets to certain places but then he forgets what the mission is. And see, I think sometimes we live that life that, that we have sort of decided that what really matters or, or uh, is impressing people with how fast we can run, how fast we are, how busy we can be, how hurried uh, we can live our lives, and we forget what the real goal is. Uh, if the goal in our life is to glorify Christ, if the goal in our life is for people to see him, then how does that change how we run the race? 
once in a while we need to slow down and be reminded of what really is the mission? What's really the goal? What are we really about here? Is it just showing people how busy we are? Is it just showing people how fast we can run? How impressive we are with all the things that we can add to our calendar? You know, one of the things that I tried to teach our sons as they were growing up, there were three choices that I told them they always had to make. The, the first was to, to choose, um, to choose uh, impact over position. Always put your life where you can have the most impact, not about the position, not about the title. Um, one of the other things I told them is always choose discipline over talent, that you have a certain amount of talent, but if you don't discipline yourself, if you don't learn to break through that talent barrier, then you're not gonna get where you really wanna be in your life. And, and the last one was, always, was to choose achievement over activity. You see, the tendency in our lives is to fill our calendar with activities, but do we really know what we're doing them for? Do we really know what we're trying to achieve? Do we really know what the mission is? And if we're clear about what our mission is, then we have time to focus on that, and we're not so concerned about impressing everybody with how busy we are, how fast we are, because we have our eyes set on the goal, uh, and that goal is Jesus, that goal is Christ, that goal is to live a life that looks like him that honors him that glorifies him and as long as we keep our eyes on the goal then we can find rest even in a busy schedule we can find rest even with lots of things going on in our lives we can experience the rest of christ because we know what our mission is we know what our goal is and we know who we're following so the tortoise and the hare can teach us a great lesson so here's here's the last thing for us this morning Jesus is inviting us to come to him, to lay our burdens and our sense of aloneness and being overwhelmed and busy. He invites us to lay those things at his feet. He allows us to lay those things. He invites us to lay those things at the cross. Say, Lord, I died for that so that you can have a new mission, so you can have a new focus in your life. Now, this is, I want to finish with just personal, you know, this is my confession time, okay? That I have issues, seriously, don't we all? Here's one of my issues. I'm doing physical therapy for this shoulder replacement surgery I had, and it hurts like crazy. Physical therapy kind of messes up your whole day, you know? You come out of that, and you're just on fire, and you're kind of thinking, okay, now I got a day in front of me. What am I doing? It makes you slow down a little bit. Um, but when I'm at, with the physical therapist, he's a really sweet guy, and, but he, he's, I tell every time I'm in there, I say, okay, I know exactly how far we stretched my arm the last time. And so I'm gonna beat that record. That's just me, right? I don't even think about it. Uh, and so I, I know that last time we got to 150 degrees when he pulled it up. And so he's, he's killing me and he's pulling it back and I'm checking to make sure that I beat the last number. I'm 153, I was a Friday, I was 153. I beat it by three degrees and he looks at me, he says, Mr. Anderson, you need to breathe. <laughs> I'm so focused on getting my arm back and getting that, that rotation uh, that I'm not breathing. And here's the killer is that he's trying to help me because when I'm not breathing, when I'm holding my breath and just gritting my teeth and letting him jerk my arm back, I'm actually working against him. I'm just stiff everywhere in my body and he's trying to move that rotation um, in, in my shoulder and I'm, work, I'm pushing against him, not realizing it because I'm not breathing. And it reminds me of how often in my life that I'm thinking about, I just got to grit this out. I, I just got to suck it up. I just got to get this right, get it done. And I forget to breathe. 
And I've been doing this for so long that I have some little tools that I use to breathe. Now, one of them is Philippians 4.13. Anybody know? Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, imagine that you're not breathing and your arm is being pulled off of your body and <laughs> you, you just simply breathe. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I start to breathe again. Uh, maybe maybe I, I go to, another one of my go-tos is from Galatians 2.20. It's the first part of that. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. And this comes in two breaths. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And I begin to breathe again. And I start to relax again. And I start to understand I'm trusting Christ for this. Uh, another one that I really love to go to is, is, uh, is one that just simply says this, be still and know that I am Lord. Be still and know that I am Lord. Uh, and I just start to breathe again. Be still. This isn't about you, Larry. If you relax, your physical therapist actually knows his job. He actually is going to get that range of motion that you want so badly if you just will slow down and take a, de a deep breath. And the Lord sometimes says, you know what? You really think you have to get someplace so fast, but if you would just slow down, if you would just take my yoke, if you would just take a breath, I'll get you there. I'll be with you every step of the way. And my last one is simply this. It's wait on the Lord. At the end of Psalm 27, the psalmist says, wait on the Lord. And then he says this. This is really helpful for me. He says, be strong and courageous and wait on the Lord. You see, it takes strength and courage to wait. It takes strength and courage to breathe again because I so want to control my environment. I so want to control the circumstances. I want to control the pain. I want to control the process. And Jesus says, wait and have the strength and the courage to wait for me. And I can start to breathe again. And I catch my breath, and I know it's for Jesus. I know it's because of him. I know it's because of his love. And I know that he wants me to be effective, and he wants me to have an impact, but he wants me to live an unhurried life. He wants me to rest in him. He wants to be my rest. We learn from Jesus under his yoke. We find rest. Through serving him, we find freedom. When we lose ourselves in loving, we find ourselves. When we die to our self-centeredness, we really begin to live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for uh, this morning. Thank you for these beautiful dedications that we've been able to be part of. Uh, bless the, again, Lord, bless these families. But Lord, thank you that you call us to live an unhurried life. You call us to live on mission, Lord, to follow you, to, be, to serve you, to be yoked in with you, that that's, that's what you've done, Lord. And we, we want to receive that this morning. And, and Lord, uh, through you, we want to take off that burden that we've been carrying that's not of you. And Lord, we want to receive yours. And we thank you for that this morning, Lord. We love you. We will give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, 
we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. Here's my prayer this morning. My prayer is that we'll learn to breathe. My prayer is that we'll learn to slow down, to listen to the Lord, uh, to allow Him in the midst of our busy lives to make us unhurried because our focus and our heart is intent on Him. I love you guys. Have a great day. God bless.